Hear ye, hear ye. The king has a message for you. If you will lay down the arms of your rebellion and you will swear fealty to your king, he will pardon all your treason. Thus saith the king. Well, now the complaint emails are going to start rolling in. I'm glad you said that, Derek. We're in a fishbowl. It's a fishbowl. I can't breathe underwater. Instead of hitting your job, why don't you pray for your coworkers? Truth bomb. Dude, where are you going? This is not over. We're still recording. When was the last time you got murdered for your day? I'm going with Never. No, he's not invited. I don't care. He's not coming on the show. He wants to come. He's not coming on the show. Stacks and stacks of email. You've got mail. And welcome to the podcast. Today is Wednesday, (laughs) December 5th. That's not your cue, man. We are, of course, the Hear You Teams. I for one cannot believe you just said that. I'll flip this table right here, Derek. I'm not he's afraid. A, he's a socialist. He's straight up a socialist. Hey, Sean McCrane's got a new translation for you. Oh, that's not even a translation. Dude, flat earth. How crazy is I'm crazy. You're crazy. Oh, crazy. Well, this is the only reason I read in third grade. Free pizza. Yes, they believe that. That's nonsense. From coast to coast and around the globe, this is the Hear Ye Kings. I'm your host, the Bald Eagle, and along with me is the bearded pirate himself, Derek Earl. What's up, everybody? How you doing? I like that. I like that. It was good. Good happy, intro. Happy Monday, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. another week. Woo-woo. It's another week. Woo. Welcome back to the grind, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, mercy. It's Monday. It really is, dude. It's here again already. Mondays. You know, my, my least favorite day of the week, though? It's not Monday. It's Thursday. Yeah, Thursdays are rough. Thursdays dude. are the worst, worst day of the week, man. Primarily because, like, it's that day where you've made it almost to the end. Yeah, you're almost there. You and, can see the then, finish line. Yeah, you can see, and then you realize, I still got to wake up yeah. one more time and do this right. again. Yeah, that's well, the that's the worst. And Thursday's like my slowest day at work, so I usually have the less people there. So, yeah, you know, you're, and it just kind of drags on because it's so slow. That's right, dude. But Mondays don't drag on because you get to start them with this epic podcast. That's right. That's right. Just keep it on going. Keep it on going. We got lots of fun stuff to talk about to do. Yeah, man. Let, yeah, quit, we got let's good stuff. Quit wasting time. Let's dive in. Wasting time? Or did you have a good week? Did you have an okay week? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, you're just trying to... I'm just really excited. Wine and dine. I'm just, just, <laughs> let's do this. ETC. This is why I don't control the buttons. Oh, mercy. It's been a good week. It's been raining all week, though. Has it? I feel like I've been living in the Pacific Northwest. Like, Yeah, I guess yeah, it has been raining quite a bit. I saw a thing the other day said, I can't believe it's only rained twice this spring. Once for 45 days and once for 27. <laughs> That's exactly right, dude. We've just, oh, it's been pouring over at our house, too. Like, we had, uh, we had like, our downstairs, um, like, washing machine drain, right, yeah. where, where it rinse, oh, yeah. all the rinse water and stuff goes out. Like, that backed up on us today, and I was like, oh, oh my man. goodness. Yeah, I had to, like, run home and try to get it all get it all fixed and stuff. And I, I figured it was either because the water levels were just so high down like yeah. out the main line because of all the rain or there was a plug, something was did, plugged. Did you get know. it taken care of yeah, or yeah. is your house flooded right now? Good, but you're like, I go. got a podcast, good, I gotta go. Good to go, man. <laughs> I just took care of it. Super Sweet. handyman. So, yep, got got it all good. So that's going good. Uh, let's see, got, got my dog starting his formal training and stuff with some pro- profesh trainers see, here in I should in have Salt done Lake. that. I did not do that. Yeah, it dude. shows, man. Yeah, we got a hold of uh, Ty the dog guy. It's a pretty, pretty cool Shout name. Shout out to Ty. Yeah, super professional, I guess. Looks awesome on a business card. <laughs> yeah, Ty, Ty the, the dog, dog guy. guy. But yeah, he's, I, he's, a, so he's a professional dog trainer here based out of Salt Lake City, um, but he does online stuff like countrywide, so he's, he's oh. all over. 
And, uh, so I don't have to go anywhere. I can just watch the videos. You, you could, um, but they also have private trainers that'll come right to your house and then work Ooh. with the dog at your house and stuff. So that's what we've got is we've got uh, one of Ty's trainers coming out to the house every other week, and we'll do that for nine weeks. And then, yeah, and then we get lifetime access to their group sessions too, which is where they get together at like a park with a bunch of just sort of like uh-huh. controlled on-leash dogs, and then yeah. they kind of work them and just together. So it'll be a lot of fun. So we got we got See, that going on for the my dog. My dog's like five now, so I think I'm, that window is. Shut. No, dude, you're still good. You're still good. You could even, yeah, we could work with your dog a little bit. So it was, it was fun. We had the trainer come over today, and, and the trainer was like, wow, you, you've been working with this dog a lot already. Like, it's only 20 weeks, and yeah. and uh, Coda's doing pretty good. So she That's was awesome. she was pretty impressed. So nice. that was good stuff. Yeah, nice man. Nice job, man. So, uh, yeah, you can you can follow Mr. Coda at Coda underscore Earl Outdoors. <laughs> Sweet, yeah. On Instagram. That's great. Your dog has an Instagram? He has an Instagram. <laughs> I can't even keep up with my own Twitter. Your dog has an Instagram. <laughs> oh, man. Well, see, it's all these breaks from social media. What am I going to do? My dog needs an Instagram. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of other crazy things. <laughs> That's right, everybody. It's ETC time. That's emails, things that annoy me, and of course, Crazy Town, which is, uh, I, I don't know, I think that's the segment of the show that has probably caused the most flack and heat and stress oh, yeah. And, yeah. and fun stuff. Yeah, we, we, we have some good Crazy Town stories, and I, quite frankly, I hear these people are like, oh, you mentioned this on Crazy Town, and I don't agree. And it's like, you know what? Come on the show been, and talk about it. There's some great stories. We talked about death by molasses. Yeah, that was oh, that was a killer one early on in the early yeah. on in our podcast. Yeah. If you haven't we, listened to that, by the way, just go back early on to start right from the beginning. Most recently, we Ooh. talked about the brownout in San Francisco. Watch oh, your step. Yeah, yeah. You know, doo doo everywhere. Doo doo everywhere. Like, these are gold right here. They really are, man. We've talked about that. Every, everything from that to. To AOC, our favorite. Well, bartender. sure, yeah. You always got to bring in politics. So oh, I was just talking about bartending. <laughs> <laughs> She's our favorite bartender. Emails. All right. Well, this week, uh, remember the guy who was supposed to be on last week, but he was gone doing oh, yeah. a spiritual formation weekend yeah, yeah. thing with our, our men's retreat. Mr. J. Yep, yep. Getting close to Jesus. He sent us in a fun little meme. And oh, yeah. um, it wasn't really officially an email. It was just a post sent over on Instagram it, via nice. the Messenger thing on Instagram, but I'm going to count it as an email and because uh, we need something for this segment. <laughs> sure. And we love Jay, so we want to uh, give Jay a shout-out. Jay, he sent us in a meme, and uh, it was the, the Stephen Crowder Change My Mind booth meme. Oh, okay, yeah. We're sitting there at the, at the, on the campus at the booth, you know, and, yeah. and then people write whatever they want on the sign. Well, his fancy little sign on this one said, Chick-fil-A's drive-thru operates better than the federal government. Change oh. my mind. Dude, I don't even want to change your mind. Yeah, that is one hundred percent true. That's not just meme. That's fact, man. Dude, it's true. Have you ever been to the, the no. Chick Fil A? That place drive-thru? is crazy. Man, they're on top. I pulled of it. up and be like, ah, oh, they're busy. Maybe I should go somewhere else. And then before I can really think about turning around, I'm yep. already through Boom. the drive-through with my food. Yep, with like, food. What just happened? Yeah, we went up to Cabela's no. a few weeks ago getting some hunting stuff, and there's a the Chick Fil A that's right right next to it. It's the one up yeah. in Farmington. And uh, so we were coming through the Chick Fil A. Same thing. It was super busy. I was like, ah, oh, it's gonna take forever. We order. Pull up to the window, and the lady hands us a bunch of bags, like, immediately, like, right. I hadn't even had them yeah. in my card yet. I'm like, wow, yeah. this is great. And she hands the bags. I give them the card, and they come to give the card back, and they're like, um, can you check that second bag? We want to make sure that st- the right stuff is in there. Right. And so I pick it out, and they had added a, a different sandwich than the one we ordered. I'm like, oh, no, this is the grilled one, not the, the crispy one or whatever right. it was. And so she just runs back, grabs the right sandwich, grabs it, gives it to us. and goes, oh, yeah, you can keep, keep the other one. You know, yeah. it's bonus. Sorry, yeah. sorry, we mispackaged that yeah. one. We're like, 
Oh, ah, free sandwich. Awesome. <laughs> Me- meanwhile, McDonald's would have been like, can you pull up to window two, spot two, and just can you just wait 20 minutes? Like, we got to remake <laughs> the fries. It'll be all right. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, oh, they're the worst. They're the worst. So Chick-fil-A, they're, yeah. they're awesome. And, and I agree. It, their drive-thru operates significantly better than the federal government. That's why oh, I'm yeah. all about shutting all kinds of federal programs down. Like the Department of Education and all these other things. Can I get into that right now? <laughs> let's let's put That's a not, pin in that. Okay. Just defund everything. The only thing <laughs> they do good, I'm serious, the only thing they do good is is some of our like national forest wildlife areas. Like they just because all you get I mean, just leave it alone. Yep. Right? You just leave it alone. Just like don't touch that. That's but a there was a period land, of time where they weren't sure about that and they were trying to control burns and fires in Yellowstone. <sighs> and then they learned that that actually like, was bad. That's and right. Like, there's a that's purpose right. behind all See? this stuff. When, when the federal government takes our hands off of things, Joe Biden. Right. Ironically, when I take my well. hands off of things, they're less likely to break as well. So yeah. my wife finds that it's just better if I don't try to fix anything around the house. Yeah. Biden would do good to keep his hands off things. Speaking of things that annoy Derek. Things uh, that annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got, this week, we've got three things. They're little things. They're little. So you wouldn't think like, wow, really, that annoys you? But when you think Dude, about it, like I promise shoe, you, man. I promise you, they're obnoxious. Okay? When, when your fingernail cracks... But it's not like it's not like the oh I broke a nail kind of fingernail crack like right. no but when it cracks like up towards Ooh. the knuckle and it, and and the crack goes up into the nail bed, right? So it's not like yeah. it's not like you got a little crack you're like oh that's okay I can just clip it off you know with some clippers I let my nails go a little too long no like these kinds they go up and you're like uh oh yeah. or or maybe it's not quite there yet and you're like oh I think I'll just I'll carefully tear it off and then you pull you rip and it goes like right into yeah. the nail bed like oh god I've learned my wife has like special tools to like work with this stuff really yeah. they yeah, make yeah. special special nail to other than nail files and like clippers yeah like she these, had like some like i don't know like, like a spackle little, or like something little like a dentist tools for your something. nails she had this whole kit she's like don't touch it wow yeah. fancy so. fancy so that annoys me when your fingernails crack too far up on the nail bed that, that cuz it hurts obviously anything that hurts is annoying all right next when something gets stuck in your teeth, like oh. like beef jerky, yeah. right? Like when you're eating popcorn stuff. kernels, popcorn kernels, yeah, crap yeah. like that. Like with my wife, dude, I have like almost any like red meat, like steak, uh, obviously beef jerky, um, even like yeah. some carnita meat, which is like pork, you know, like that stuff, like the the stringy kind of meat when you make it that way. Oh, dude, it gets caught yeah. in like she's got like a crown on one of her teeth or something. And yeah, it gets caught there every time. You can see her; she'll be sitting over there watching, you know, the office in the evening, yeah. trying to dig at it. Just like, come it. on, yeah. get out! And just drives her absolutely nuts. No, yeah, it does. Drives you crazy. And last but not least, definitely not least for me, this is number one on the list. When when you go swimming or you've taken a shower or something, and you get water in your ear, mm. but it goes too deep, right? And then and then you get out and uh, either out of the pool or out of the shower or whatever, and you kind of move your head and you hear that. Sound, yep, yep. and you're like, "There's water in my ear," and you're like, "How do I get it out?" You can't. You're like, you're like you maybe try to Q-tip or something. If you're a Q-tip fan, some of these folks are anti-Q-tip. Gotta be careful. It's just as sensitive as AOC. I'm serious. Q-tips are like one of these things. I'm like, don't use Q-tips. They're bad for you. Kind of like eggs and cholesterol. I don't know. But uh, so people be like trying to do that, and then I found like if you like basically headbang. Like boom, boom, like trying to headbang on that side. <laughs> you can get the water out, and then sometimes, like when I was a kid, I'd just shake my head really hard like a dog. But now I do that, I get headaches. <laughs> I'm getting old, bro. For so real. So yeah, man. that water sound in your ears. It's no joke, man. That's that's why I don't obnoxious. swim right there. That's why I don't swim. You can't swim. <laughs> well, that's another reason. 
Oh, okay, Crazy Town, my favorite part. And luckily this week we are not talking about bartenders. So this week it's Attention Gardeners. Oh, attention I think we have a lot of listeners gardeners. that love gardening. This will be good I for love them. gardening. I love gardening. Gardening fact. is one of my favorite things to do. I've got a garden in my backyard. Awesome. That's not so crazy. We like to compost. You know, composting stuff sure. is good. We've got chicken manure and stuff that we got to compost. We take all of our vegetable scraps out there. You can compost all that yeah. stuff. And people are wondering at this point, why, why is this on Crazy Town? Well... Here we go. Gardening Here we go. Are you ready? Time. Are you ready? Fox News. For you Fox News haters out there, just shut up. I'm trying to just read a story here. Washington, Washington State, becomes the first state ever to legalize and allow human composting. Yes, you heard me right. Human so, composting. Okay, like Governor body Jay. Remains or? Do, yes. Governor Jay Inslee, which is their, their uh, Democrat governor up there in old Washington, Signed a bill into law this last Tuesday. So this is, this is about a week old for you guys, but that's okay. I doubt you've heard of it, okay? Uh, that allows the composting of human bodies as an alternative to burials or cremations. Dude, I was totally joking. I thought you were going to say human feces. Nope, you actually nope, mean like nope. human remains. Human remains, bodies. The Evergreen State is the first state to approve the measure after an earlier study uh, that involved six backers who agreed to the organic reduction. I don't know why they're calling it an organic reduction. I guess because they're not you're not burying somebody. It's an no. organic reduction. It says the results uh, were positive and quote the soil smelled like soil and nothing else. <laughs> this is a real news article right now, dude. There, there you have it, oh listeners. Quit giving goodness. the funeral home all your life savings and grandma's hard-earned dollars. Why not just put ethyl in the garden bed? Outback? Seriously, it says licensed facilities in the state will offer a natural organic reduction. That's what they're calling it. They're calling it a natural organic reduction. I think that what they're saying is... <laughs> Dude, wait for the rest of this. This is... I'm literally reading right from the article. The body is mixed with substances like wood chips into two wheelbarrows. <laughs> Brings a whole new meaning to the phrase is that your friend in the it's wood chipper? Wheelbarrows. They put the body in, into two wheelbarrows. Like, hey kids, look at this wheelbarrow. There's grandpa. Oh, he's over in that wheelbarrow too. <laughs> Says they mix the body with wood chips into two wheelbarrows worth of soil in a span of several weeks. Or if you've got a body like JD, you're looking at three wheelbarrows. <laughs> three wheelbarrows. Uh, it says loved ones are allowed to keep the soil to spread just as they might spread ashes of someone uh, who has been cremated or even use it to plant vegetables has, has or any, a tree. Has anybody <laughs> tasted the tomatoes that came out of this? <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to die over here. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I'm do, do you have, is it me or is this zucchini gone bad? Yeah, it says it gives meaning <coughs> and use to what happens to our bodies after death, said Nora Menken, executive director of the Seattle-based People's Memorial Association, which helps people plan for funerals. So there you have it. It's Bill SB5001 takes effect May 1st, 2020. So, folks, 2020, you know what? Forget the funeral. Forget the cremation. Just bury Grandpa out back. It's legal. I'm updating kind of. my will. Awesome. There you it's have it, folks. Tough. Like, I That's challenge you to find another podcast that gives you these stories and these. You insights. are not going to find anything else that gives you something like that. That was incredible, I, man. I thought I had a really awesome crazy town story because I had one I've been saving and I wanted to share, and then you come with that, and I don't know how to follow up with it. Well, you go, by all means follow up, but that was that was awesome. <laughs> when I saw that so, dude, I was like, yes. <laughs> so, as our listeners may or may not know, like we live in Salt Lake City, Utah, right? Home of 
the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Utah Jazz. I've heard of them, yeah. And a condiment we affectionately call here fry sauce. Fry sauce. Do you eat fry sauce? You know, I used to like fry sauce, and and then I stopped liking fry sauce. So I love fry sauce. That's like, made a lot it's of one sense. of my favorites. And for those that may not know what this decadent substance is, it's a combination of ketchup, ketchup and mayonnaise. And mayonnaise. Or if you go to a certain restaurant, like we used to have training table here, they had a barbecue sauce and mayonnaise. Oh yeah, so it was a little yeah. bit better. But uh, I've heard that the Crown Burger, their yeah. their their fry sauce has actually got like some yeah. other special. It's it's like sure. special fry sauce. Like they've actually added something it's, else. To it's it. a, it's a special Utah thing. If you're ever in town, yeah. like definitely order that with your fries. But you know Heinz, right? Okay. Makers okay. of ketchup have seen that Utahns are doing this, and they thought, you know, we're missing a market here. We we should we should market this. We should package it and sell it on shelves. To which people in Utah were like. We already had that. But <laughs> when they did it, they came out and they called it mayo chip. Mayo chip? So the combination of the words mayonnaise and ketchup. Oh. So half, half the country's been freaking out. Like, what is this? First of all, it's weird. Why are you combining these two? Okay. And, and then the other half, like, what do you call this mayo chip? Wow. That's kind of weird. It is weird, but it gets weirder. Okay. Because in Canada, there's a group of people that speak the Cree language. Oh, yeah, kind yeah, of an yeah. Algonquin it's like language. Freaky French thing yeah. that's going on. So Creole about, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. French. Heard of that. There's there, about 117,000 there's there's 117, people in Canada who speak this. There's that many people in Canada? I well, didn't know people yeah. live there. I thought it was just woods and bears well, and stuff. And the celebrities that hate Trump. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 117,000 people speak this language and they're kind of laughing because mayo chip does not mean mayonnaise and ketchup in Cree. Uh oh. And I'm going to clean this up here a little bit, but it basically translates to crap faced. Or crap on my face. Oh my gosh. Dude, that's so, incredible. Which sometimes when you're eating this on your fries, like you kind of get some crap on your face. Like, <laughs> so but, can I have some crap on my face with my fries, please? But I've never, you know, can you imagine walking down the condiment aisle at the grocery store and all of a sudden they have a bottle of crap face? Crap face. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. I remember going to like, uh, there's a breakfast restaurant here in Salt Lake called Ogie's. It's down on 35th, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 35th and Redwood. Best breakfast ever. And uh, they've got a whole wall of salsas, or not salsas, hot sauce. Yeah. And it's like all the crazy names of hot yeah. sauce and stuff, like colon blow. Dude, I, li- I lived five minutes from that restaurant. I never went there. Oh, like, dude, it is, it is hands down. I, th- I think I think it's the greatest breakfast place ever. I've been to plenty of breakfast places yeah. from from California to Virginia. And Ogie's by far, simply because of one, the thickness of their bacon. Ooh. They don't they don't skimp on bacon like you get over at Denny's. It's paper thin garbage, not real yeah. bacon. Yeah. Uh, so their their bacon is thick, and they they cook it just perfect. It's never underdone or overdone. It's always great. And two, their breakfast burritos. They have a homemade one of a kind enchilada sauce or whatever that they're smothering it with. And I've oh, I've tried man. to replicate it. I've tried finding other versions of it. It's the only one. And Dude, so you're making that, me hungry. For that alone, Ogie's is hands down the best best well. breakfast place ever. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's not crap on your face. Well. It's it's awesome on your face. Try try some mayo chip today. They also have other ones. They've combined like mustard and mayonnaise, like really mayo turd or something. What? <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> I don't know how they did it. It was like must 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 chip. Mayo and then they, they did a barbecue sauce and mayonnaise one too. There's like three or four different ones, but some mayo turd and some crap on your face. <laughs> Bring that to your next <laughs> what barbecue. What kind of world do we live in? It's this kind. In a world where nearly all online content and entertainment had become increasingly bad, 
One show dared to stand out like a light in the darkness. It was highly reliable, factually pretty accurate, mostly never heretical. The highlight of the people's week, an epic Christian podcast, hosted by two lowly peasants adopted by a great and glorious king to be heirs with the high king. They were crowned as more than conquerors, ambassadors for Christ, heralds of the gospel, hear ye kings, on a mission to equip, encourage, and empower Christians to share their faith, no matter the cost. Every Monday, subscribe. Long live the king. Are you tired of sitting around not knowing what to do? Why don't you head on over to hearyekings.com? That's right, hearyekings.com for the latest, greatest in Christian podcasting. And when you're done with that, head over to Facebook at Hear Ye Kings and Twitter at Hear Ye Kings and Instagram at Hear Ye Kings. This ad was paid for by the Royal Treasury of the Hear Ye Kings in the hopes that you would hear the name Hear Ye Kings so many times that you wouldn't be able to get it out of your mind until you subscribe to the Hear Ye Kings. All right, I just Googled it. It's actually called Mayo Must. Mayo, mayo and Mustard. Oh, that's I guess better than just, Mayo Turd. I guess their marketing game's a little more intelligent than me, so... <laughs> smart, smart move, Heinz. Whatever, dude. I'd buy it just for the bottle. Yeah. I got some Mayo Turd in the freezer. <laughs> you want that? <laughs> That'd be a killer to pull out of the barbecue, dude. It's like, what's that, Mayo Turd? Yeah. Pulled it out of my compost garden. <laughs> With Grandpa. Oh, my All right. Well, we are continuing our series this week on the 20 basics of the Christian faith. We certainly Dude, are. we're winding down here, man. It is. It's happening. It's happening. This is week 19. I feel like we need wind-down oh. music or something for no, this. No. I don't even know how to do it. Winding down, but turn it up. We're, uh, if you'd like to kind of print out an outline and kind of... I'm, I'm trying follow to follow along with there us. There it is. I was trying to get there, but I was worried I was Follow us up. along. <laughs> if you'd like to follow along we, with us, we need a shirt that says "Follow us along." Here ye kings. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, head on over to hearyekings.com, click on the tab Christian Basics, and then scroll down and click on the picture of Aslan. Aslan. That's right. That's, yeah. That is what I put up there. Yeah, got a little lion there. So it's pretty good. I like we it. Uh, we're talking about what is Christ's return. Oh boy. What is Christ's return? When is it happening? What's going on? Well, it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to, lot to unpack. Let me think here. Um, how about oh, yeah. how about how about we just off the top of our heads do a shotgun round of what do you think it means? That just, Christ is returning. This is what, I'm excited for this week because you know people people might not know, but you and I both come from some really heavy like ultra Pentecostal backgrounds. We do. We do. So. We do. I've got some baggage here on the counter with this whole topic. So, uh, so I, I do too. I do too. So it wasn't really a punt. I wasn't trying to just hand it off to you. But if if there's ever a topic that I have, how do I even say it? I have been very slow to re-engage after disengaging from For sure. it. So th- this yeah. is that topic where where some people are really scared of like election or some people are really scared of predestination or some sort of, you know, I don't know, depravity doctrine or something like sometimes people want to stay away from those or they disengage from that after some sort of a cage stage with them. Mine has definitely been eschatology, which which is a big fancy theological word meaning the study of last things. Which I I can't believe you just said that cuz I love it cuz this is the only one big fancy Christian word that I actually know what it means. Yep, yep. eschatology. <laughs> so, so there you go. Eschatology, the study of 
last things. Very cool. So. Cool word. So there's your uh, fun spelling. Write that down on your outline today. Yep. Just in- increase your vocabulary, folks. So eschatology, Christ. Put that on your Facebook profile. Study. I study eschatology. Yeah, I study eschatology. <laughs> I don't know if anybody ever really. I mean, I don't know how you can even say that you study eschatology because there's so much here that is that seems to still be just very up for debate. Okay, so so that's kind of on the table. Uh, what else is on the table is, uh, or that needs to be, is eschatology, like, like I mentioned, I disengaged it, and then I was really slow to come back and re-engage it. Eschatology is one of those things, if you start studying end time stuff, uh, it can be a, a, a bit of an abyss or like a black hole that you can fall into and never come out of. And I say that because oh, like sure. I have experience with family members who like want to, it seems like that's all they want to study. Like Yeah, they just get obsessed with it. Yeah, like I'll get a phone call from a buddy or a friend or something or a family member who's who's studying this stuff and and they'll be like, Hey, you know, I was reading in Revelation and I'm like, Oh, okay, what were you reading? You know, I, I try not to discredit it so much because I mean that's a book of the Bible and we need to take it seriously. But but I hear that and then I'm like, Okay, well, well what is it? And then they they go off on like some big you know, half left behind tainted rant of what they think they read. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, what you having for dinner? You know, like yeah. I don't even know how to break that, break that thing. And, but then the worst part is, it's like finish the conversation, hang up. They call back a week later. Hey, how you doing? Hey, dude, so I was reading in Revelation. I'm like, <sighs> right. Cool. What were you reading? And then it's, and then it's again. And, and that's not just a one week and then the next week. That has happened with some individuals that I know for years on end mm. and every single time anything bible related is brought up it's oh well i was reading in revelation or the, the alternative i was reading in daniel right it's it's one sure, of the sure, two sure. and like that's all you get i just applaud you for being able to have those conversations because i still have ptsd from like all the movies we had to watch in youth group oh. where like everyone gets a barcode upc put on their forehead <laughs> and then the helicopter's coming off <laughs> after you and you're on the top of the mountain and he's going to just murder you those are the locusts don't you were know left behind and those i'm are like the oh. locusts in revelation so, <laughs> but at least the guys you're talking to are actually reading their bible that's true because i feel like when the left behind series came out which is a fun series to read I just feel like people took it as canon of scripture. Yep. I'm just like, oh, this is it. This yep. is fact. That's exactly it's what like... they did. No, that's exactly what they did. They read the Left Behind series, and hats off to those guys for making a multi-million dollar book. Sure. Right? You're rolling in dough. But uh, in the process of, of now rolling in all that dough, you, you created a book that was not meant to be solid theology and doctrine, and you created that. You made that. You you, yeah. you invented false theology and false doctrine and, and spread it everywhere and didn't like really a cancer, put man. a very strong caveat like, hey, this isn't the Bible. Right. This is a fictional story right. of one interpretation of Revelation. And that's why we're having this conversation is because the, what you have to do is really open the Bible and yeah. see what it says. Yeah. Don't look at books. Don't look at YouTube videos. Like, examine God's Word. Yeah, read, read God's Word first. And then when you have to, you know, afterwards, when, when you got to go to, sure. you know, a book or, or a YouTube yeah. video, like, then you can start branching off to those things. But it's got to be rooted in You can have a solid text. foundation. Yeah, and I, I can't help but think that, that because of uh, fiction, like, left behind, People read that first. That got them interested in the Bible. Right. They finished, re- uh, you know, Left Behind. Yeah. Then they went back to the Bible and read Revelation yeah. through the lens of Left Behind. Yep. 
And then when they saw pieces that fit, it solidified that even yeah. more in their belief system. When they saw things that didn't quite fit, they thought, oh, that must just have just been, like, I don't even know. Like, yeah, maybe throw it out or, oh, I mean, I just, maybe this, I just don't understand this part yet. You know, and they, yeah. they toss it off to, oh, I, it's, it's interpretation. I can't figure it out. I don't know. So, like, like I said, I was very, very slow to re-engage with eschatology because, because of things like Left Behind, some of those, like the ones you mentioned, the bad, like Gary Busey video that came out of there. What oh. was it called? Tribulation Force or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Tribulation. I don't remember what There's it was so called. There's so many. Sometimes when I'm bored, I'll just start watching these. Yeah, did, I just <laughs> did, did you know there was one called uh, uh, Megiddo? It was either Megiddo or Armageddon. One, no, it wasn't Armageddon. That's the, that's the comment movie. It was called Megiddo. Uh, Megiddo is supposedly like the battleground or something of where this like last you know big battle is supposed to happen on the the battlefield of Megiddo or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, one of the actors in it is uh uh, uh oh Bean. His last name's Bean. He was he's uh, Johnny Ringo from Tombstone. Oh yeah, and I was like. Oh my gosh, what are you doing in this like weird left right? behind? There's a career that spiraled out. Yeah, I'm like, oh my goodness. Because here's Johnny Ringo. He's like playing like one of the Christian guys. I was like, this is cool. And so, nice. that, but that that really wrecked me even further because I'm like, yeah, this is one of my hero actors. Yeah. Like, you know, and then and then now he's in this. And so that must mean it's true. You know, it's valid. <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, so that was not good. Not good. So so we've talked about kind of the crazy stuff that goes along with Christ's return. Mm-hmm. But let, let's kind of examine what scripture says and kind of look at the Bible. Perfect. When we're looking when we're, like we said, we've we've kind of haven't mentioned it in a while, but we're basing this podcast loosely, this series loosely on uh, Dr. Wayne Grudem's book, 20 Basics of the Christian Faith. And he kind of divides it into a few sections here, and he starts with the return. And we see that in John chapter 14, verse 3, and it says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Good verse. So right there, Christ is saying, hey, I'm coming back, guys. Yep. So, so he is coming again. That that is a fact. Yeah. And and no matter what crazy interpretation you want to try to you know pull out of Revelation or what fiction books you've read and think are doctrine, there is one piece that I hope bridges the gap for all for of sure. all of the different you know es- eschatological viewpoints, and that's that Christ is coming back. Now there are some outliers out there who think that no, he's not. Like uh, Sean McCrazy, that was one of the reasons we went after him, is because he quite literally denied that Christ was coming back again. That that he's come back via the cross, and that's it. And now we're good. And it's like, no, that's that's heresy. He's right. coming back. So McCrazy, you're a heretic if that's what you actually believe. I'm gonna give you grace enough to say, come on, the show, and we'll talk to you. But. Uh, just kidding, I'm not really inviting you. You are not coming. You're the guy in the intro that's like, I am not coming on. He's not coming on this Anyways, show. the point Sorry. is, Christ is coming back. Man, I get derailed easy. <laughs> okay, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. For sure. Okay. So let's talk about Christ's death on the cross and how he's paid that price, but now is going to come back a second time. Yep, yep. Awesome. Then 2 Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Boom. Big stuff, big stuff. Okay, now this next section is going to be the section that I'll I'll probably uh, be able to elaborate quite, hopefully quite a bit on. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Dr. Grudem titles it The Timing of the Return. The timing is 
a, a really important piece. One, the Bible says that no even... one knows that the day or the hour that he's coming back. Now, how can that be? Because I feel like in 1986, there was a book called 86 <laughs> Reasons Why Christ is Coming Back in 1986. Like, wasn't there I'm trying, or something I'm like trying that? to remember the bits and, of stuff that I, that I kind of went back and, and learned when I did finally re-engage with eschatology. Basically, there, there are three different viewpoints um, regarding sort of the, the return of Christ, and, and a lot of it revolves around one specific text in Revelation that deals with a thousand-year reign or a millennial period. And uh, those three periods are either... Christ is either coming back prior to this thousand-year reign, which is a term For sure. that's called pre-millennial, uh, or he's coming, or he, or in a sense, he he is here now and ruling and reigning with us via the church. And so that means there's kind of there there is no real thousand-year reign. It's it's more of a, a symbolic thousand-year reign, and that's called amillennial. Ah, meaning you know it's the or antithesis amil or of whatever. yeah, yeah. amill. Um, so amillennialism is meaning that there is no millennium in a sense, uh, or. But but more accurately described, it's it's that it's a symbolic millennium, and then there's post millennialism, which means that Christ comes back after the millennial reign, and kind of, kind these of three things, different views. Yeah, so so there's that kind of in the timing of his return, and and then there's also uh, another aspect of this when you read texts like the one that you read in Second Peter three ten. So I'm just going to recap that verse. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Uh, and the heavens will pass away and uh, with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth uh, and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Now, a lot of people hear that and they go, ooh, that's the end of the world. And yet there is some really strong argumentation out there that actually suggests that a lot of these sort of... Uh, cosmological analogies that are being used, talking about, you know, the heavens passing away and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, this big catastrophic language that's, you know, about about the universe, you know, blowing up or burning up in fire and all this, all that kind of language is mirrored right out of Daniel. And Daniel uses that kind of language when he was talking about military powers. Right. So if if that language is being used again here in the New Testament... Uh, many will argue that those passages aren't about the end end of the world like the you know the, the very end it was they were actually referring to the end of the Jewish age which was uh, in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed so uh, again a lot of these patches, passages you really have to step back for a second and don't just assume because you see things like and the earth and its works will be done and be exposed that that was uh, big catas- catastrophe language that would be used uh, in apocalyptic literature, like in Daniel and like in Revelation. Here you have Peter using it, but Jesus uses it in Matthew, and uh, it was either Ma- Matthew or Mark, and he literally references Daniel. Right. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, so so should we interpret this as if you're talking like Daniel was talking? This is not the, the end of the world, fire, burning, brimstone, everything's crazy, but actually that something was going to happen on earth in military powers at the time that you were speaking, because, and we'll get into some of that. So context so, is king. Context so. is a big deal. So not everything is the end of the world. Some things in the Bible, uh, and I would even argue most, not all, but most were referring to uh, the destruction of the temple in 70 AD by Nero. 
So well, and it's interesting when you look at these passages. Like some of them make it sound like you know we're never really going to know. It's kind of going to be like a thief in the night. And then mm-hmm. some of them are very specific, like and make it sound like certain events are going to have to take place. Yep. Like yep. we see in Mark chapter thirteen, verse ten, where it says, "And the gospel must first be, be proclaimed to all nations." That's right. That's right. So there's a there's a pretty straightforward one. Gospel must be proclaimed to all nations. Got it. So and then Mark thirteen twenty two. So just a few verses later, it says, "For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs." and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So you've got a reference to these false Christs and false prophets that are supposedly going to rise up and, and try to lead people astray. Okay, Second uh, Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4, says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect uh, that the day of the Lord has come. No, Let no one deceive you in any way, for the day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. So he's, he's laying out some, some time frame things here. The rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Stop right here for a second. This is where you get, this right here is where left behind folks got the idea of the Antichrist. Okay, that that one right there, the, this man of lawlessness, and and that's the one that because of these left behind books, right? Ninety percent of evangelical Christians are are literally waiting and watching for an antichrist to rise right. up into the world. They think it's every U.S. president. They think it's every dictator over or at in least Russia. Every other. They think yeah, every or at least every other. So there, there's this is where that's coming from. The problem with that. Uh, is it doesn't fit the time frame that he's describing. One, because he's telling the people here in Thessalonica, he's telling these people to watch for this. A man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself uh, against every so-called God and objects to worship or object of worship, uh, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Newsflash, someone did that already. It already happened. Nero already walked into the temple of God when it was built in Israel and proclaimed himself to be God. Nero did that. That already happened. This is a past event. He was not speaking way out into the future. The man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, is Nero. And it's, it's plain as day. So, well, and one thing to really take note of too, when we're, we're looking at these passages, is they weren't written so that people could say, "Okay, well, this hasn't happened yet, so Christ not is not going to come back." Like that wasn't the point of it, right? as kind all. of like a checklist. Yeah. It was to help build anticipation and build the expectation. I mean, we see in Luke chapter twenty-one, verse twenty-eight, says, "Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and rise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near." Yep. It's like counting down to Christmas, like we're getting excited. As we see these things take place, we can say, oh man, we're getting closer and closer to Christ's return. Yep, yep. So we've got reference here in Matthew 24. It's it's basically because, the, only, the reason we didn't just put a verse, it's the whole chapter. Oh yeah. It's, it's 40, this whole thing. 51 verses. I'm going to try to pick through some of this. I'm doing this on the fly because we don't have it written down, um, obviously because it's an entire chapter here. Uh, let's see here. So... Jesus, in the, in the first few, two verses, foretells the destruction of the temple. Okay, so right there, he sets up the preface of, Hello. okay, this is what's going on. There's going to be a destruction of the temple. 
So we don't okay, need so that, temples that's anymore? that's going to happen. No, we don't need temples anymore. Okay, and then he, he moves on from verse 3 down all the way through verse 14 uh, in, in what, you know, Bible authors and people who put the, the thing together and put the little fun captions or whatever on the, on the paragraphs, they titled it, Signs of the End of the Age. Uh, so he's at the, the Mount of Olives. The disciples came privately and says, tell us, when will these things be? So they're asking the same question a lot of people are asking, yeah. like, what's the timing here? He said, when will these things be, uh, and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Now that phrase right there is super important. They asked him, when will be your coming at the end of the age? Left behind folks read that and go, oh, when are you coming back at the end of the world? Right. That's not what he said. It was the end of an age, okay? The Jewish people understood uh, eras in time mm -hmm. as ages, right? Yeah. So there was the Jewish age. That was the age of sacrifices, rituals, and temples. We are not in that age anymore. That age faded away at 70 AD with the destruction of the temple. Jesus brought about the new age that began really at, at Pentecost when he established his church and the church is then empowered with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, right? And so then they go out and, and start yeah. making churches. Yeah. And so now you have a church age. We're in the church age right now. So there's, there's yeah. your newsflash. We're in the church age. So when these guys ask, what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? They're talking about when is this age going to end that we're in right now? And Jesus answers. He said, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, uh, and they will lead many away. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Uh, see that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, uh, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things uh, are but the beginning of the birth pains. So he's continuing on. And then, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Uh, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Uh, and because lawlessness uh, will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, blah, blah, blah. He goes on and on, as is the testimony to all the nations. Then, will come, uh, then the end will come. And then, he, and then he says this in 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, so there's that reference to Daniel again, standing in the holy place. Where's the holy place? The temple? It's in the temple. So, so he's standing in the temple, which is yet to be destroyed. So he's, he's, this is Jesus prophesying about, about what's going to happen in about 40 years. Right. Okay, because it hasn't happened yet. Okay, it says, when you, when you see the one spoken of by the prophet Daniel, who is Daniel talking about? Daniel was talking about a giant military power coming in and destroying things. And, and, and just pause there for a second, because this is a great point. Like, a lot of people, I think, we read the Bible looking at it as being written today. Like, okay, he's prophesying about the future. You have to understand he's prophesying about future points from when it was written, you know, 40 years from when it was written, not 40 years from today or whatever. Yep, yep. So, so then he, he gives them instructions on how to be able to get out of the city, because, you know, the Romans are coming. And they're going to destroy Jerusalem. They're going to destroy the temple. And they're going to knock everything down. And here's how you get out of the city. And he gives them all these instructions, which is kind of funny because if he was giving these instructions as sort of a future thing, like we would have zero clue what to do. None of this really applies to us. It has For nothing sure. to do with getting oh, yeah. up on your rooftops and looking and watching and then run up into the hillside. Like they want me to run up on the Wasatch Front right. when, it, when it all happens. Like really? That's what, so no, that has nothing to do with that. And then you skip down to 29, it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. 
Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds uh, from one end of heaven uh, to the other. So there you have this really unique blend of sort of a near-far prophecy. You have near being that... Uh, when he says the coming of the Son of Man is coming, he uses all of that Daniel language that the moon will be darkened, you know, the stars will fall from the sky. That's all exactly the language Daniel used to describe the giant military power coming and taking over something. He, he literally just repeated him. So it's yeah. not literal stars falling, literal stuff happening. This is a military power. But then right at the very end, he blends in that these angels are going to come and gather his elect from the four winds uh, uh, from one end of heaven to the other. And so you do have sort of a, at the end, mm-hmm. something is yeah. going to be similar. And so you have a prophecy that's that's uh, fulfilled immediately in 40 years from then. And then you also have something that's maybe way out in the distance, sort of looking at a hill that's close and then a mountain far in the background. And you can kind of describe it the exact same way, right? And so he, he does that. But one of the things that I want to mention is is a verse that, that is significantly further up that we, we uh, I skipped over, and I skipped over it on purpose. Let me see if I can find it again. Um, Verse 21 says, For then there will be a great tribulation. So here, this is where we got those titles to those awful 90s movies. (laughs) Okay, great tribulation, the tribulation. And and a lot of people think that, oh, this is when Jesus comes and he raptures everybody. And then there's a tribulation on the earth, okay? This, which we've already established, uh, the abomination of desolation. This is where we're at, that verse 15 through 20-something. Um, he's talking about Nero and the destruction of the temple. So he says this in verse 21, For then there will be a great tribulation, such, has, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. He, he just said that there would be a tribulation that's coming. And again, this was near prophecy. This, this didn't happen near far. This was just, this is what's happening now. Right. And nothing as, this bad has ever happened or ever will. So, like, that was it. That's key. That was the tribulation. It's not, it's not coming in 2050. It's not coming because Trump showed up. It's not coming because Obama was here. It's not coming because the Pope is crazy. It's not nothing. Yeah. Like, all these so, so-called antichrists and tribulations and raptures and stuff. Like, no, that was Jesus saying it, it came, it happened, it's never going to happen this bad again, which, of course, then bleeds into other theology of is the world... Uh, uh, getting better right. in over long periods of time, or is it getting worse? That's that's another right. question you have to kind of ask yourself if you're going to decide on the pre pre mill, uh, mill, or post mill argument. So, anyway, all of that uh, said, and and then he goes on in at the very end of chapter twenty four. Uh, kind of moves into more of the rapture so, section there at the end. So, is there a rapture? That there's the question. So it says, but no one knows that day and hour. So is there, is there a rapture? We'll talk about that. Uh, verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, what day? The day of Christ's return? Uh, here, so, so let's, we'll jump back up to 32. It says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and put out its leaves, you know the summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know he is near. At the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation... What, who? So the generation then? This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Where was that verse in Left Behind? Right. So everything he just said, all the way up through verse 34, Jesus 
in red letters in my little Bible here, says, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until what? All these things take place. Heaven and earth will not pass away, uh, or heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So he's saying like, everything I just described to you is going to happen before this generation dies. And there's no Greek kung fu you can do to try to get around the this generation, meaning sort of a multi-generation thing, or this generation, meaning the church generation. Or I mean, there's no jujitsu you can do to get around the original Greek on this phrase, this generation. He was talking about the people that were literally standing in front of him. This generation won't pass away. Okay, But concerning that day... So he's talking about the day that apparently that generation will see. Not, not the stuff that we'll see. Right. Them. It says, but concerning that day, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. This is not talking about the end of the world. This is talking about the destruction of the Jewish temple in 70 AD, because those people were there and they weren't dead yet. They okay. hadn't passed away. Okay. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day of Noah entered the ark, until the day when Noah entered the ark, uh, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So a lot of people think that right there is this, right. this about reference Christ coming back, right? for a rapture, right? Because they're going to be swept away. Mm, interesting. Well, who was swept away? Who was swept away? In the flood? Yep. The people that didn't believe that, you know. Right. So Noah and those guys, they were safe in the ark. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was outside of the ark. And according to Jesus here, it says, when Noah entered the ark, everyone else was unaware until the flood came. They didn't right. know. And then they were swept away. So here it's the non-believer that is swept away in, in the story of Noah. Okay, and, then, and then he tells this story. And this is, these are the few verses where everybody's like, see, that's the rapture. Okay, context is king, folks. Verse 40, Matthew 24, verse 40. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one left. Left behind. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Okay, those are the the key rapture verses. Except for in the context of the whole thing, who's swept away? You know... Now that you're reading it now, I'm going to go with unbelievers. Non-believers. Non-believers. There's a fantastic sermon given by Jeff Durbin down there in Arizona. He gave a sermon called, Now That We've Been Left Behind. Interesting. Like, and the point was, it's the non-believers. If, if, if there's a rapture of any sort or a sweeping away, it's, it's the believers who, who are left behind. We're the ones that stay here. This, this men, man in the field, one's taken, one left. Women grinding at the mill, one taken, one left. He's talking in reference to the same Noah thing about, look, all these people, they had no idea, and then they were coming swept away. Somebody will be here, and they'll be swept away. Two men will be there, one will be taken away. Two women will be there, one's taken away. Stay awake. You don't know when the Lord's coming. But know this, uh, that if the master of the house had known... Uh, in what part of the night that the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house get broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. Right. Right. All of that deals with 70 AD. I mean, yeah. it's like, I don't, I don't I don't quite get how people have been and able that's to twist why, that. Because it's so hard. Because, I mean, I've read all these verses a thousand times, but I've done it all through that baggage lens of like, there's going to be a rapture, and there's going to be this. And just the things I've been told by others or told by pastors mm-hmm. and not really examined it for myself and really looked at it, okay, 
set all that aside, set all that past experience behind, and let's really read this and, yeah. and look at what's happening here. Yep. Jesus is, is dealing with that generation at that time because they needed to know in 40 short years from that moment, right. they, the Romans were coming and they were going to demolish the Jewish temple and destroy Jerusalem. Right. And they had to, he, he wanted to warn them. And he did yeah, earlier in the passage. Ready. He's like, look, if you're pregnant, man, that's... And he literally said, he said, woe to you who's with child. Like, he's like, it's going to be bad for you if you're pregnant. Okay, so don't get pregnant right around that. Like, when you start seeing these signs, like I said, with the fig tree, yeah. right? If, if, if you can see that, you know spring's coming. The signs will be that obvious. Right. If, if it's going to be that obvious and it's life or death and make sure you're not pregnant at that time... He's not giving some sort of nebulous way out into the future. Yeah, like, but that's how you, you, you say it. You go, okay, it's well, be. oh, the economy's crashed. Like, oh, oh we better not have kids. Trump's like, president. I rough. can't get oh, pregnant. Yeah. Like, Alabama doesn't <laughs> let me get an abortion anymore. Thank you, Alabama. Good stuff. Saving babies. Way to go. But yeah, it has nothing, nothing to do at all with the end of the world or some sort of fictional rapture that the writers have left behind cooked up because they read some verses out of context. Yeah. There, and I, and I, I had to the, break it to you. There is, there is no, you know, you're, you're going to get sucked out of your clothes and everybody's yeah. left here for seven years of a tribulation that Daniel was so, somehow referring to. Daniel was referring to military powers at the time. All that stuff already took place. It's happening. The one truth I said at the very beginning that is going to happen is Christ is going to come back. And in that moment, it's the end. It's the end, end, end. We'll be caught up into the sky yeah. with him. The end, end, end. There's no other, there's no tribulation time. He comes and he purges the world with fire. And that's it. And, and, and then it's over. And you see a new heaven and a new earth come down. And we're going to talk a whole bunch about that sure. next week, which is yeah. what is heaven and stuff. But, but as, as far as when and what will Christ's return look like? I really, yeah. really do think that Jesus was super clear. Like, you don't even really have to get too much into Revelation to kind of really dig out some of those those truths. We have Revelation 20 yeah. listed here also. I just want to glance Which at it. Which is another great chapter, and that's why we're including the entire chapter, because if you do just take a couple of verses, you can do just as yeah. much damage as the Left Behind guys yep. do. You've oh. got to read the entire thing. Yeah. So the, the all of all of Revelation twenty, it's going to deal solely yeah, but, with that that thousand year reign yeah. of of, and then based on reading that and and saying, okay, does Christ come back before it? Does he come back after it? Or is he kind of here now via the church? That will place you in basically a, a category of theological sure. ideas that either you you believe in sort of a pre millennial. Uh, reign, you believe in a post-millennial reign, meaning Christ comes back after yeah. the millennial reign. And a lot of that stuff is is really key for theology, too, because sure. it, it changes the way that you see the world, for instance. If you believe that uh, the world is basically going to get worse and worse and worse and worse, and then Christ is going to have to come back to sort of rescue the church, to save the church because it's gotten so bad and persecution has gotten horrible and awful— which you would read it that way if you read all of those passages That's that Jesus was thought. talking about. Like, oh, it's going to come, and then yep. gonna, stuff's going to fall out of the sky, and things are going to be terrible. And If you're reading all of that into the future, then of course you think the world is, is progressively getting worse, and Jesus comes back to rescue the church, at which point he establishes his kingdom, and then you reign on earth with Christ for a thousand years. That would be how you interpret that. Right. If you're a post-millennial person, you would interpret it basically exactly the opposite way, that all of that stuff happened in 70 AD, and that from here, you now have 
uh, different sections in Scripture like the, the mustard seed, all those parables that Jesus told about the kingdom, right, where it, it starts off really small, and then it grows, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it went from the smallest of seeds down to the biggest of trees, right? That was the whole mustard seed parable. Uh, and then all of the other parables that start off as, as something really little, but then end up being really, really big. The kingdom of heaven, is, you know, it's like this. And, yeah. so, and then he talks about all that. Uh, if, if you take that approach, what you have is the church is the mustard seed that's, that was planted at, at Pentecost, right, or, or, or during that time period when we received the Holy Spirit, and now it's, it's going to grow. So it's not going to get smaller and smaller and smaller and almost get defeated and be persecuted to death, and then Jesus comes back and rescues us, but actually that the church over who knows how long, we could have thousands and thousands of years in front of us still, that the church continues to progressively grow, and right. via the gospel, not via conflict of war, not via forcing, not via the tip of a sword, but via love and the gospel, quite literally... I'm going to say it again, via love and the gospel, take over the world, via love and the gospel. Right. That the gospel would be so powerful that it's to transform all nations, all tribes, all tongues, all people uh, like that. And, and I mean, obviously I'm tipping my hand here. I'm, it's clear where I land on this. But that I cannot fathom how anybody can read the Great Commission and not arrive at that conclusion. Because the Great Commission, Jesus says, okay, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Right. All authority been given to me. He didn't say, well, I don't quite have it yet, and it's going to get pretty bad for you, and it's going to be awful, and I'm going to have to come back, and then I'll have all authority. No, he said, now, all authority now has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go make disciples of all the nations. Now, if that's, if that's the, the rallying cry and, and our charge is to go make disciples of all the nations because you have all authority via me, right? And, and then at the end of everything, we just got persecuted and persecuted and persecuted to the point where the church was almost dead, I wouldn't, I cannot think, like, that doesn't look like, oh, wow, you guys succeeded. You went and took the gospel to, to all the nations and had all authority, because I was with you even to the end of the age. Like, you, that doesn't look like that. Right. That looks like, oh, wow, you guys really tried and got beat up pretty bad. But on the other side of things, like, did he give us a command with an intent that, that we would actually be able to accomplish it? Here, go baptize the nations. I know you're not going to be able to do this, but go ahead and try. I'll come back when you guys basically are squished. Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense at all. For sure. And so, anyway, those are the those are the basic positions. There's tons that we don't have to necessarily yeah. get into too much of that. But that's definitely something that Dr. Grudem talks more in this book and his other two books too that kind of dive in even more and 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 things that you kind of have to study on your own and watch videos on and and, yeah. and, and get different perspectives. There's a, a fantastic documentary on if you get on. I don't know if it's if you call it a documentary. It was it was a, a a debate on you can get on YouTube, type in "Desiring God," uh, a, a night of eschatology or an evening of eschatology. One of those two. It's got John Piper, um, Doug Wilson, and two other dudes, uh, and they they represent the three views. And then John Piper sort of mediating uh, the the three different positions. You have Doug Mill, who's the post mill guy, or Doug Mill, Doug. <laughs> Doug Wilson, who's the post-mill guy, and then you have these two others. who are, One's representing the amill position, the other's representing the pre-mill position. Piper does a good job of, of trying to mediate it, but he's biased because he's pre-mill. Uh, interesting fact, every one of the Puritans that came over here early on, and then all of the, the, like the reformers, all of them are post-millennial, which yeah. says something. Jonathan Edwards was, was post-millennial. Uh, so, so you have a rich history of theologians believing it, and and yet we're in a time right now where that position has really died off. It's a very it's very rare to find somebody who's post millennial uh, in their their viewpoint here. 
Um, but John Piper is a respected, very respected theologian. I mean, I've learned half of everything I know from John Piper, and he's a pre-meal guy. So yeah. I think the point is, is, is you can sit across from a table from somebody who has a completely opposite view of eschatology than you, and guess what? We're still Christians. We're still brothers. We can still hang out. I mean, that's and, what we're doing right now. Yeah, like, yeah. You know what you believe. I have no idea after today because you just <laughs> wrecked all of my theology <laughs> and everything I've ever learned as a kid. Nice. But um, the important thing is, is regardless of what your viewpoint is, and, and where you're coming through at this, that you kind of have the same opinion that John did in Revelation 22, yep. uh, verse 20, that just says, Amen, Lord, come. <laughs> come, yeah. Lord Jesus. Like, yep. that's Every all that single matters. one of them, whether you're pre-mill, on-mill, or post-mill, every single one of these folks believe that Jesus is coming back again. Yeah. That he that's is something we going can all to, agree on. That's right. He is going to come and establish his kingdom here on earth fully. Like, the, 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 the kingdom has been established, so it's here, but he's going he's gonna to finish it. Right, it's going to be done and and completed, right? So it, it began when he was crucified and he was raised up on the cross, given a crown. That was yep. his his coronation service, right? That that was him being inaugurated as king, and and then he raises from death, proving it, and then he says, "Okay, I, I am coming back." So he came back once in seventy A.D. in the form of military powers to destroy Jerusalem for their rebellion and for their disobedience and their rejection of him. Right? That was why the temple was destroyed. That's what he said early on in 24, when, he, when I, I skipped over those two verses, him to, you know, uh, saying the temple was going to be destroyed. Yeah. He goes, look, not one stone is going to be left standing. That was his threat to them. Yeah. That, look, you're going to reject me, right. and it's going to... And, and Which he even talks about, yeah. the Bible talks about in 1 Kings, 2 Kings, Chronicles, like, yep. hey, you guys mess up. Like, you're not going to be here forever. That's right. Sorry. So Jesus did come in a sense, and he, he wrecked... Uh, Jerusalem via those military powers, but he is coming again. That is something that people from Christians from all eschatological viewpoints can agree on. He is coming again. Most Christians. That's right. That's right. Uh, let's see here. What are some things? What are some issues relating to eschatology that Christians can differ on? Well, obviously we can differ on yeah. you know those viewpoints. We can differ on the three different things there. Uh, I would even say that we we can probably differ on the amount of passion that we want to pour into it. <laughs> like sure. I said earlier, this is one of those topics you can dive into and yeah. never find your way yeah. out of because there's so much. And and it can be really exciting because you're like, I mean, it, yeah. we should be excited about Jesus coming back. That's an exciting thing. I want him to come back like right now. Like, please come yeah. back. That's what John said. Please come back. Right? But at the same time, you can you can be so overly excited and zealous about this return of Christ that you utterly missed what God is doing right. in the world right now with him being absent that he's through us through the church slaying enemies and 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 loving on people and saving souls and you know he's doing a lot right. via the church for sure so it, we, we we don't want to just nix that and be like oh please right. come back god you know like you mentioned earlier god gave us a command go out reach the nations preach the gospel you don't want to get so caught up in this that you're spending all your time just studying this, researching it, trying to find the answer yeah. to where Christ comes back and you go, oh, oh. I was supposed to do something. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, that's, and that's you didn't been, tell a certain person about Jesus. That's right. So. Well, that's been the problem with that whole Left Behind series. I mean, you, when I first, I read it. I mean, I, well, I read the first book. I didn't get past the first book, but I read this, the whole, oh, wow, yeah. people got raptured. And, yeah. and, and what it did in me early on, it, it made me want to sit and pray myself raptured. I mean, I was just like, oh, I yeah. hate the world, I can't stand this, apparently everything's going to get worse, there's going to be this evil monster Antichrist guy coming or something whose name's yeah. 666, which by the way is just an old Hebrew reference to Nero, so no. Um, but uh, I would sit there and literally, I think Jeff Durbin even kind of described a similar experience where he would just close his eyes and wish himself raptured, like, Lord, yeah. come on, take me, yeah. let's go, let's go. And it's like, 
wow, what about your neighbor who, who still right. hasn't heard about Jesus? You're right. so antsy to get out of here, and he's going to go to hell. You're, you're, you're just fine leaving him here for this supposed tribulation that's coming? Why don't you go tell him about something instead of sitting there wishing yourself raptured, fool? But I was mostly just worried I wasn't going to be able to buy groceries if I didn't have the barcode <laughs> on my forehead. So. Oh, no. You know, well, early on, like, so when I first read it, I think that book came out when I was in, like, fifth grade. Right, so it was a while ago, and uh, and I remember hearing about this whole rapture thing. Read the book, then the movie came out, and I was like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, you know this is gonna happen. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get zapped out of here." And I remember crying in like oh, fifth yeah. grade, like going, "Dad, I'm never gonna make it to junior high. That means I'll never get to experience having a locker." Oh yeah. And I was so upset about that, like that I wouldn't, I wouldn't get to have some sort of life experience, right? Yeah, that lock, I thought was gonna be the greatest thing crucial, in the world. Man. And uh, but I mean, again, that, that's, that's what some of that theology does to you. It's like. It's like, man, if you just stick with the Bible, the Bible's Bible's much easier than all that nonsense. So, so how do you deal with differences when when you meet other Christians that have different viewpoints? I got a lot of friends that believe in the rapture and the tribulation, and honestly, I would if you've got some people that are really bent on 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 rapture stuff like that, I, I would still point them back to the Bible and be like, can you show me that scripture? Can you show me that in context too? Like, can we actually read this? A lot of again, you said it at the beginning, a lot of this theology is coming out of a movie. Right. They they got their theology out off Caleb and out of a Tim LaHaye book, like so that that was where this came from. They're not reading this in the Bible, right? Because it's not in the Bible, right? So and even if you find verses that kind of is like, oh look, one's in the field, then he's not. It's like, well, let's read the whole paragraph, and then as soon as you read it, they go, well, I guess it kind of doesn't work, huh? Geez, how did, why did he write that book? Hmm. Now you're wondering right. the same thing I'm wondering, dude. Like, why did he yeah. write it like that? That's clearly. Terrible, terrible exegesis. It's, it's not, but so I would say that uh, point him back to the Bible and and two, uh, just be just love on yeah. people. I mean, the like, key is the key there is pointing them back to the Bible, yeah, yeah. not beat them over yeah, the head with it. Yeah, not beat them over the head with it. You just you, you sit down with them, like, hey, let's read it, you know, and try to have a friendly conversation. And then they don't see it. You kind of go, hmm, that's really interesting. I, I'm not I'm not seeing how you see that right out of the text here. I mean, I understand that you want you got that viewpoint, but gosh, I'm just having a really hard time seeing it right there in the Bible, like. Can you show me that again? Where do you sure. see that? You know, and then just yeah. keep keep rolling over that. But more than anything, you know, just invite them for dinner and and ha- have a friendship with them. I'm not telling you to do this with lost people. You can do this with a Christian because Christians are saved already. I'm not. Right. Don't don't play the long game with lost people. Don't play this long game with lost people. Lost you people need the gospel, out. and uh, they they just need the gospel. You don't need to earn telling them the gospel. You just tell them the gospel. But it makes you stronger too, and it helps kind of strengthen your position too. Like yeah. I, I like a lot of times when you and I discuss things that we differ on because it kind of helps me kind of really think through my standpoint and what I'm believing, you know. But yeah. At the end of the day, it's not worth losing any friendships over. Like, you have to kind of decide for yourself what's going to be an open-handed issue and a closed-handed issue. Oh, yeah. Like, <clears throat> and, at, and at some point, you, you maybe just drop it. At the end of the people. day, Christ is coming back. That's all that yeah. matters. I've like, had to drop this conversation with some people. Not everybody, but with some people, I'm like, yeah, yeah we can't talk about this. Yeah. Same thing sure. Same thing with Reformed Theology or same thing with some of these others. It's like, okay, I've showed you in, this, in Scripture. I've, I've read stuff with you back and forth. You've disagreed with that, me. I've disagreed with you. I've told you I loved you. I kept inviting you for dinner. It's like now, now we're not going to talk about it. Yeah, that, and, that's uh, kind of how our relationship started. You know, you you, you shared <laughs> reformed theology with me, and I got really sick and angry with you, and you, you kept inviting me to dinner, and then I just kind of had to go out look, in the woods by myself look, for a while. Look at us now. Now look for the here so, you kings. Never give up hope. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy, dude. So. Well, good stuff. At the end of the day, I hope that eschatology more than anything. More than, more than if you land on post-mill, pre-mill, ah-mill, you're, you're a rapture guy, you're a Nero guy, like whatever it is, 
I hope that your study of eschatology points you to Jesus. Absolutely. That Jesus is the centerpiece of all of this, that Jesus is the one that's coming back, that Jesus is the one that said all of those words in Matthew 24, that Jesus is the one who makes promises and keeps them, that Jesus is the one who says he loves you and is never going to stop loving you, and they said he's going to save you, and there's nothing can get away of that, that your eschatology would point you back to Jesus. It's all about Jesus, baby. That's right. So if, if you heard anything today on um, what is Christ's return, I hope honestly, I, I hope you just take the last two words of that title, that Christ's return, and he's coming yeah. back. That's what you should learn. He's coming back. So when, how, where, I, I mean, I have no idea. We're just talking. Yeah, yeah. let's not forget, we're yeah. just two we're just dudes, dudes here sharing an opinion, yep. sharing our viewpoints. This is what we think. This is how we see it. Yep. So you might, I don't want to get a bunch of angry hate emails. Do it. Just, do it. I'll have you on the show. Derek we'll, does. We'll talk all day. Like you might have a different viewpoint. That's okay. That's right. So we're just sharing kind of what we see in scripture. It's all about Jesus. The king's coming back one day, isn't he? Could be today. Could be today. Alrighty, guys. We're going to uh, jump to one last break. See you in just a second. Looking for a new t-shirt? Look no more. Head over to TheologyAttire.com. That's TheologyAttire.com. A brand company started by three friends with a mission to create jobs for evangelical missionaries and to be a blessing to local church plants. So whether you want a shirt with a catchy phrase like make Christianity great again, or you just want a shirt with your favorite theologian's face on it, Theology Attire is what you're looking for. And if you're listening to this right now, you are in luck. When you check out at TheologyAttire.com, put in the promo code HEARYEKINGS, the promo code Hear ye kings, all one word, and get 20% off your entire order only at theologyattire.com. It's theology on a t shirt. Woo! So. Man, I can breathe now. I just hit that so fast, dude. That was crazy. That was, Derek. I'm just going to say it again. Revelation 22, verse 20 says it. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's all that matters. Christ is coming back. That's right, dude. That's right. Speaking of what's coming back, we'll be coming back next Monday. We surely will. We're going to be looking at the question, what is heaven? Oh, my goodness. our last week, week 20 of the 20 basics of Christian faith. Yeah, we made it it? Yeah, we're we're going to do a recap week after that. For sure. The podcast isn't done. It's just last week. Just that week. And there's so much more after the series. So much more. We've got a whole year planned after you Next week, we're going to be talking about clouds, harps. Wait. Fat baby angels? Oh my gosh. You're talking about heaven, aren't you? You think I'll be able to fly? I don't know. Is what what's after heaven? Uh is there I'm anything, not sure. Is there anything after heaven? Is there there is. Earth? You're about to find out what oh, it man. is too. Next week you're gonna tune in if you want to find out what is after heaven. Speaking of tuning in, make sure you subscribe to our weekly podcast and have your friends subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Wherever Epic Christian Podcasts are found. And of course, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Josiah D. Walker. Derek's at at Derek underscore Earl, and of course, both of us together at Heary Kings. And uh, Derek's dog's out there too, somewhere. Yeah, I think he's got an Instagram. He's pretty cool. It's a cool dog. Anyway, thanks everybody for joining us. We really appreciate you guys, especially all you hardcore troopers are sticking all the way around till the end, right here till the outro. Gold you guys, star. you guys are who we do this for, man. You're just like, yeah, gold star. That's right, gold star to you. And if you're just coming in, man. you know, spend the rest of the week flashback to some of those earlier weeks. That's right. That's right. They got a lot of good stuff there. You can find out about that death by molasses. Figure Absolutely. out what that's all about. 
Good stuff. Anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Again, subscribe and uh, tune in every single Monday. Every Monday, as always, our mission is to proclaim the message of the king. And when the culture wants to come out and play king of the Hear Ye Hill, we're going to take the hill every time because we're the Hear Ye Kings. John 14, 3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. Until next week, long live our victorious king.